a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to episode 164 of Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. This is KSL News Radio. Thank you for tuning in today, just after 1 o'clock here uh, at KSL. I have to admit, this next subject is a, a little bit indelicate. I feel awkward. Uh, I feel awkward talking about it because I'm, I'm, I'm relatively young. I'm 35 years old. Uh, I have a brand new baby. I, I've only been uh, married for just a few short years. I have a lot of life uh, ahead of me, uh, I believe. I sure hope. Uh, and uh, I have lived, uh, you know, a, a few years. Um, but it puts me in an awkward situation as I bring up this next topic. Uh, what I'm talking about is uh, there was an essay written recently, uh, an essay written uh, by a gentleman named Larry Churchill. And uh, Mr. Churchill is about 74 years old himself. And he wrote this essay uh, for the, the Hastings Center. You see, uh, Mr. Churchill, he's uh, an Ann Gettys uh, Stallman Professor of Medical Ethics Emeritus at Vanderbilt University and uh, currently a Hastings Center Fellow. And for the Hastings Center, he wrote uh, a relatively brief essay talking about uh, what he believes to be a special obligation held by the elderly during a pandemic. I'll read to you uh, quickly uh, a paragraph from his essay. He says, do the elderly have a special obligation during a pandemic? That is something more than the duty we all have for hand washing, social distancing, timely self-quarantining, and most recently wearing a face mask. Some workers, such as those in healthcare, grocery stores and pharmacies and supply chain workers for essential goods now have obligations beyond ordinary citizens during the COVID-19 crisis. And then he asks himself the question, does being elderly incur duties others do not have? Now, at this point, what do you think? Are there unique responsibilities held by the elderly? I, I'm going to put it out there that I, I don't know. I, I, I do not know, and I don't feel comfortable weighing into it uh, as I am not yet elderly myself. But uh, to hear a gentleman of this age, 74, having this conversation, it's fascinating. He answers his own question this way. I believe the answer is yes. And foremost among these is an obligation uh, for sparse use of newly scarce and expensive health care resources. My essay is not about policy. Rather, my focus is on how the elderly should understand their obligations, regardless of policy concerning not only ventilators, but the use of all scarce health care resources in a pandemic. Now you're starting to get the idea here. Before I go into the specifics uh, that th this professor suggests, let me tell you a, a quick story about my own dad. He has told me, uh, he, he's in his 60s, 
and he told me uh, recently what his plan is on how he intends to react to the coronavirus and why. He says if he uh, becomes exposed, if he is in contact with someone who is positive, he will quarantine. He will do so all by himself. Uh, in uh, he has a, My dad's a talk show host as well. He'll sequester himself away in a studio he has in his own home, and he will stay there for the, the prescribed quarantine time. Now, he also has a cabin and a little bit of land and a pond. And his plan, should he contract the coronavirus, he tells me, and I, I wish he'd change his tune on this one, I'd love him to go seek medical care, but his plan is in an effort not to burden those around him and not to take away from uh, the scarce resources being used uh, to keep other people alive and healthy, his plan is to ride it out alone in his cabin. He's going to ride out the coronavirus uh, alone in his cabin. Now, I can't say that I support that. He's my dad, and I love him, and I want him to be uh, receiving medical care as soon as and if he needs it. But the mentality is interesting. There strikes me as an element of nobility to it. You think uh, about... Uh, some nuclear disasters which have required uh, intentional exposure to nuclear radiation in order to safeguard others. There have though been those uh, elderly nuclear facility workers who have put their hands up and said, we will march in and we will save the rest and we will do so at our own expense. There is nobility in that. It's a beautiful sentiment. Now, that sentiment can be warped a bit. as we, uh, If you remember back in March, uh, Texas Lieutenant Governor, uh, a gentleman named Dan Patrick, he came under fire. Uh, he, uh, a relatively elderly man himself, uh, in March, the Lieutenant Governor in Texas, uh, he suggested that senior citizens like himself should not only be willing to sacrifice health care resources, but for the economy in order to provide a better economic future for their grandchildren. Here's Dan Patrick. No one reached out to me and said, uh, as a senior citizen, uh, are you willing to take a chance on your survival in exchange for keeping the America that all America loves for your children and grandchildren? And if that's the exchange, I'm all in. Um, and that doesn't make me noble or brave or anything like that. I just think there are lots of grandparents out there in this country like me. I have six grandchildren that what we all care about and what we love more than anything are those children. He went on to say that uh, folks in his age group could take care of themselves. And those of us who are 70 plus, we'll, we'll take care of ourselves, but don't sacrifice the country. Don't do that. Now, I, I think the lieutenant governor in Texas went a bit too far there. The, the, the broader context here is that he was talking about the economy. He wasn't exactly talking about scarce medical resources. He wasn't talking uh, about hospital beds. He was talking about the economy, and I don't think that... Uh, I don't think that the value of the economy will ever outweigh uh, the value of a human life, regardless of age. And so uh, Lieutenant Governor here went a bit too far because I'm so close to my dad and I love him. I, I hope he doesn't follow through with his plans. Uh, first and foremost, I hope that he doesn't contract the coronavirus. But to hear individuals in this position talking along these lines gets my attention and it communicates to me uh, a certain element of nobility. We're going to take a break right now, and when we return, 
Uh, we will be speaking with Larry Churchill, the author of that essay at the Hastings Center, and he will, for us, uh, describe some of the things that he feels uh, that he and others uh, with his attitude uh, should be doing in the midst of this coronavirus. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Life, Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. As you were listening to the segment just before the break there, uh, I've admitted this topic is a little bit uncomfortable for me, a little bit awkward, if I'm honest. I, uh, 35 years old, uh, am I relatively young, or at least that's what I tell myself. I have that brand new baby Piper, uh, who you can probably hear coming through the walls as I broadcast from home during this uh, coronavirus era. Uh, but the, the reason I bring that up, the reason I point out my age, is that there is a, an essay I read recently that deals with age, specifically uh, a position held uh, by a gentleman named Larry Churchill, uh, who says that uh, if you are elderly, that you bear special duties uh, during a time of crisis, specifically in a pandemic, uh, that others do not have. Uh, in fact, uh, Larry Churchill joins me now. Uh, professor Churchill is an Ann Gettys Stallman uh, Professor of Medical Ethics Emeritus at Vanderbilt University and uh, Hastings Center Fellow. Uh, professor, thank you for uh, joining me. How are you, sir? I'm well, thank you. How are you, Lee? Uh, I'm all right. I'm, I'm all right. Uh, I, I admit that uh, this is uh, an awkward topic for me. And, and let me tell you this. I don't typically make a habit of asking my guests their age, but it's relevant to this conversation. How old a man are you, Professor? Yeah, I'm 75. 75? And, and right. you assert in this essay uh, that the elderly do, in fact, incur duties that others do not have during a, a pandemic. What are those duties? Well, I think um, I should start by saying I think, you know, that our obligations change during the lifespan. And uh, some of the obligations I had at 30 and 40, 50 um, are not the same ones. And uh, being an elderly person, I've just been doing a lot of thinking about, you know, if there are scarce resources in a society, um, shouldn't they go to younger people rather than myself um, I've had lots of advantages or to use a baseball metaphor I've had lots of times at bat and uh, people uh, who are younger haven't and uh, it seems to me that older generations would do well to think about uh, the obligations they have to pass on the opportunities the chance to you know to make a good life for themselves to people who are younger so you know, it's all in the context of scarce resources. And I, I wrote this essay uh, in the context of the New York crisis where they were rationing um, intensive care unit beds and uh, ventilators. And uh, in the future, you know, we may be va rationing vaccines. Hopefully we'll get there and have one. But um, it just seemed to me that, um, you know, there are, there are times uh, when one ought to step aside and take a back seat, go to the end of the queue, uh, so that younger people can have their chance. 
is there, are these policy recommendations that you're making, or are they moral no, observations? No, not a. Yeah, no, it's it's not a policy at all. In fact, I think it would be a disastrous uh, <laughs> to have right? you know, an official policy <laughs> that said uh, this is the way we're going to do things. I, it's uh, rather a matter of individual choice, and it's I'm just asking people to think a bit about. Um, the opportunities they've had and where they are in the lifespan. Um, that's the way I feel. Uh, other people may feel differently, and if they do, I respect that. And other people my age also have different kinds of obligations. Um, some people who are 75 are still caring for their own children or perhaps their grandchildren, and they have you know primary responsibilities to see these younger uh, people in, into a, a, a full and uh, a good life. And so I think they have different reasons. But, uh, you know, my life is relatively unencumbered. And because of that, it seems to me it's time for me to, to pay back. You, in your essay written for the Hastings Center, you have a list of a, about seven uh, obligations that you impose uh, on yourself. T talk to me a, a bit about uh, some of the behaviors you intend to take should, uh, you, know, should uh, you come encounter with this coronavirus. Well, I, you know, the first and basic obligation are ones I think everybody has, which is, you know, to wear a mask, uh, to social distance, um, to try to be careful in terms of uh, getting the disease so that you don't create an additional burden on the system. Um, but um, in addition to that, I think um, really trying to understand that the resources in terms of doctors, nurses, hospitals, hospital beds, uh, and so on, uh, may become very constrained and uh, not to use those unless I become, you know, by staying at home, a hazard to other people. Uh, it's also true that as a 75-year-old, I'm much less likely to be helped by the interventions uh, on average than, uh, let's say, a 25-year-old, a 15-year-old, or a 45-year-old person is. So, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a poor use of resources in terms of a kind of a efficiency model as well. But um, I just think thinking about the ways in which we can help younger people uh, have a life uh, especially if we feel like we've, you know, we've had a good one. Uh, it's just something we owe. I think uh, it, it's a kind of a cross-generational kind of reciprocity. Um, you know, I got to where I am because a lot of people who are older than me helped me along. And uh, it's it's like a, a debt you want to try to repay. I, it's uh, the business about the debt we owe to the past has to be paid forward to the future. Yeah. And you address that in your essay. I've uh, shared that on my own uh, social media. Folks on Facebook, if you want to uh, have a look at that, uh, Lee Lonsberry on Facebook. Uh, a reminder, we're speaking with Larry Churchill, who is a medical ethics emeritus professor at Vanderbilt University, as well as a Hastings Center fellow, has written a fascinating 
essay that talks uh, about uh, a, a unique position, at least in his estimation, uh, held by uh, the elderly in this time of pandemic, especially uh, when we face, and if we face, and we're not necessarily right now, so this is all hypothetical right now, this discussion we're having, uh, but should uh, we come face-to-face with uh, a situation where scarcity is real, scarcity of resources uh, and aid and help and expertise uh, Mr. Churchill has a, a, an interesting uh, perspective. Let me ask you a question that ju- just occurred to me. Uh, and, and if you were listening, sir, before the break, I, I told a, a real brief story about my own father who uh, is in his 60s himself, and he uh, has decided that his uh, course of action will be, should he contract the coronavirus, uh, come down with the symptoms, that he will sequester himself away in a cabin that he owns, and that he'll ride it out. Uh, many, much of the same rationale applied to his decision-making uh, as you've presented here, sir, in your essay. But i got to say, myself, my sisters, uh, the rest of our family, we're saying, no, 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 what, what are you thinking? No, 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 you got to get help. How has your family reacted as, you, as you've made public your views here, sir? Well, um, you know, we, my family and I have been talking about these issues for a very long time, and uh, so they're pretty much in concurrence. They wouldn't it's not to say, you know, they would be sad if if I were uh, one of the fatalities from contracting COVID. And, but it's rather to say I think they understand. Um, I don't know that they necessarily agree, but I think they understand uh, where I'm coming from. And uh, so I would say, you know, I can, I can respect what your father's plan is. Uh, I think the older one gets, the more you realize, uh, the fragility of life in general, but also that, um, you know, you, you want to do what you can to help people who are younger and you achieve something that you've had. And uh, it's, a, it's a kind of sense of gratitude. I think the sense of gratitude grows the older we get. You use that word sad. It reminds me of a line from your essay. It reads, my death from COVID-19, were it to occur, would be sad, but not tragic. Yet the death of children and young adults is a tragedy. Uh, I think that's a, a beautiful and noble sentiment, and I hope uh, myself to someday reach a level of maturity and understanding uh, where I feel that same way. Uh, sir, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for thinking through these issues. Uh, I, I admire your approach to this and your nobility. I, you know, because it's my own dad, I can't recommend this to him. But uh, but I, I understand uh, what you're saying, and the, the the rationale makes sense to me. Well, great. It's been a pleasure to be on your program. My pleasure. Thank you, sir. All righty. Fascinating stuff. Could you weigh in on this? Uh, You you can read the essay at my Facebook page, Lee Lonsberry. I'd also be very curious to to hear your reaction uh, to uh, the the rationale presented in the essay, to the conversation I've just had with uh, Professor Churchill. The number 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line, 57500. Zero. Do the elderly bear a unique responsibility in the face of a pandemic when resources may be scarce? Interesting conversation. Five seven five zero zero. Weigh in. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back after the news, my guest will be Senator Mitt Romney. We're going to talk about unemployment insurance. We're going to talk about executive orders, and we're going to talk about what the senator is up to in Utah right now. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.